We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know about everyone listening, but after a long day of work, I just need to come home to a nice, refreshing tall boy to ease my stress. I actually just had three or four last night, if I'm being honest. No, not those tall boys. A refreshing tall can of liquid death was exactly what I needed. If you've noticed a new tall boy can in the water section that looks like a beer or an energy drink, it's actually liquid death, a mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, or in three different flavors. Try the lime, trust me. Why is the water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. There's just something special about grabbing an ice cold can of liquid death, hearing the pop when you open it, and quenching your thirst with the best tasting still or sparkling water on the market. I honestly could not go back to bottles even if I wanted to. As I mentioned, I can't recommend the Sparkling Lime Liquid Death enough. It has the perfect lime flavor to go with a crisp, refreshing finish. It's also the best water to mess with just about everyone you know, as they probably think you're chugging a beer in your car or a work meeting at about 9am. Seriously guys, check this product out. I've been absolutely loving it, and I know you will too. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of a Pack-A-Day podcast, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. My name is Nick Schmitz, and I will be your host again this week. Halfway through the month of October now, Green Bay 3-2, and two, probably not where everybody figured they would be. Disappointing uh, London game last weekend. Two New York teams, two weeks in a row, and Gage... Um, 
you and I talked pre-show. We vented about last week's game already, so we're not going to touch that. Uh, we're, we're moving on. We're on to New York, as uh, Belichick would say. Uh, we're moving on here. Uh, I don't – looking at this game against the Jets, uh, it's what, 2014 was the last time that the Jets came to Green Bay. That was also, I believe, was that the infamous R-E-L-A-X game? I, I know it was during that season, but I don't know if it was the Jets game. Because I, I know that Jets game was early on in the season. They started off losing to um, losing to the Seahawks that year in Seattle. And I know the Jets were early on in that season. And I, I'm pretty certain that was the R-E-L-A-X season. I don't re- remember exactly when... Um, I know I can see Gage. You're looking it up right now as I'm as I'm doing this. Uh, but I, it's it's been a while since the Jets have been to Lambeau. Eight years. Last time we played the Jets was an overtime win in New York. Uh, that was McCarthy's last season, and uh, he wasn't the coach at that point, was he, Gage? Uh, no. By the way, so it, I believe that was Philbin. Um, I did look. They played uh, the Jets in Week Two. Um, they won 31-24. They had lost 36-16 in week one to Seattle. Uh, okay. Played the Jets 31-24. And then they lost to Detroit at Detroit 19-7. That was the R-E-L-A-X game. Okay. All right. So I I was I was right in the ballpark there. You so were close. Um, so yeah, Jets coming to town three and two. And Gage, I mean, this is one of those things. I think this at this point in the season, this is I think actually what makes the NFL so great, I think it's why the NFL is so popular, is that I don't know about you, Gage, but when I looked at the first, what, this is game six, right? Yeah, they're three and two, so this is game six. Um, Looking at the first six weeks of the season, uh, before any, you know, when the schedule first came out, I I looked at the Giants in London, and I said, that's a win. And I looked at the Jets at Lambeau, and I said, that's a win. Because I didn't think either team was going to be any good. Well, we lost to the Giants, and the Giants are four and one. I mean, TBD to see exactly how good they are, but their record as of right now indicates that they are a good football team. Uh, just going by record, the Jets—they're three and two. Um, they put up forty points. Now, granted, it was against a third-string quarterback in Miami, but uh, and that game none- was actually a lot closer than the final score indicates. I believe they were within seven heading into the fourth quarter, and then just the Dolphins couldn't hang out of the football. They had like one or two. They had like two, I think one or two, maybe even three turnovers in that final quarter. Uh, so okay. that game, so the scoreboard makes that game look a lot worse than it actually was. Dolphins were closer. Also, you said the Giants four and one. That is correct. They have not really beaten anybody though. They beat Carolina. They beat Tennessee in Week One. Tennessee, despite their record, I believe they're also three and two. They're not that good. Uh, they beat the, uh, they beat they lost to the Cowboys. So that's the one like like one good team they've played so far. They lost to. They beat Green Bay in London. Which for all of you that all summer just said, oh yeah, it's great. Green Bay's going to London. Da da da. How are you glad you gave up a home game now? Nope. Are you are you glad you gave up a home game? Because everybody told me I was dumb. Everybody told me all summer that I was dumb for making a big deal about it, and it's awesome that Green Bay gets to go over to. And you know what? For the people in Europe and whatnot that got to go to the game, that's great. I'm very happy for you. I'm glad you got to see your team in person. However, I was right. I told you the entire time. It makes Green Bay having to give up a home game when Green Bay has a legitimate home field advantage. Everybody says that away teams don't want to give up home don't want to give up home games because Packer fans travel and sell out. 
Green Bay had to give up a home game, their extra home game, after having to play in Kansas City last year. Yeah, that was the bonus. So Green Bay got the extra game last year on the road in Kansas City with Aaron Rodgers out because of COVID protocols. And that had to give up their extra home game this year, which means that next year they'll go back on the road for their extra game. Great. Awesome. But no, <laughs> let's go ahead and be glad that we gave up the, the home game. Cool. Thanks. Yep. Wonderful. But no, it's just, it's infinitely frustrating to me. And Green Bay lost. Also, you said at the very beginning that you'd be kind of surprised that Green Bay's record was three and two. But at the same time, would you? So, like, let's look at the first five games. We had Minnesota week one after getting blasted in week one last year. We got blasted again in week one this year. Not that stunning. Green Bay doesn't really play in the preseason. They rest their starters a lot. It was also it was on the road in Minnesota with a new offensive scheme. Not that surprising that Green Bay lost that game. And then they beat Chicago. You expected that. You knocked off Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay, which that's kind of surprising if you think about it. Like you, I mean, maybe I mean, it's not necessarily their three and two record that's a surprise. It's how they're at three and two. That's, that's fair. More of a I was surprise. just saying, like, if you looked at it like before the season started, and I told you, hey, Green Bay's going to be three and two after the first five, I can almost guarantee that everyone would have been like, okay, so they lose week one in Minnesota, in Minnesota, new scheme, whatever. They beat Chicago. They probably beat the Giants. They probably beat the Patriots because the Patriots are kind of down. It's on. It's at home, and then they probably lose to Tampa because Green Bay always plays poorly in Tampa. Well, you know what? Okay, they they lost to the Giants. I still don't think the Giants are that good. I think that the Giants are going to fall off once they start having a harder schedule. Um, and if they prove me wrong, they prove me wrong. But no, I think that this um, Packers team has a lot of talent, and I just think they need to get out of their own way at this point. That's that's my main concern is if they can figure out how to get out of their own way and stop stopping themselves, I think that they can go on a run. I know that most people think it's a foregone conclusion. It's going to be Bills, Chiefs. One of those two teams is going to win or like the Eagles are going to make a run because the Eagles do have an easier schedule, but I'm not ready to just write off Green Bay yet. And I'm probably biased a little bit, but Green Bay has got just too damn much talent on this team to just be like, yep, nope, they're chalked already. Well, they lose this weekend to the Jets in, at Lambeau, and and we might be getting to that point. So, uh, but let's, let's go over the injury report here, Gage. Um, so Green Bay, Biggest play, biggest name that not playing this weekend for the Packers, uh, rookie receiver Christian Watson out with a hamstring. Um, it sounds like Matt LaFleur thinks that there's a possibility that he may miss several weeks at this point. Um, I've mentioned it before, and I will continue to beat it into the ground until Green Bay gives me an answer for why every time that there is a player that plays for the Packers, it's out for an extended period of time. It is a hamstring injury and not something else. I don't know what they're doing, what they're stretching in green Bay. It drives me absolutely insane. It's Are not just, just a green Bay thing. It's a soft tissue injury with quick, with guys like this that are like hyper athletes and quick twitch stuff. Like I saw this on Twitter the other day and it's a little, it's a little odd to go with it, but so Brian Robinson, obviously great story for the Washington commanders was shot twice about a month or month and a half ago, whatever it was. And he's back playing, right? Keenan Allen hurt his hamstring in like week one and has not played again. And he might not play yet this week. Obviously we're recording on Saturday, so we don't know that for certain. Someone's like Brian Robinson was shot twice and has come back sooner than Keenan Allen who pulled a hamstring. Soft tissue injuries and hamstring injuries are very weird. And, there's a reason that NFL players deal with these more than like any other any other sport. Like 
Basketball, I feel like it's a lot of ankle injuries. NFL has their share too, but I feel like the NBA just kind of has a lock on that because you've got guys going up for layups, landing on feet, and rolling ankles. NFL, it's hamstring injuries. They have them just, I don't have specific like numbers and statistics, but I feel like that's what you deal with is because you got guys, especially like Christian Watson, who's like 6'5", 210 pounds, and can literally can just fly. Like he is fast. He, there's, no, there's no like, oh, he's fast for his size. No, he's just flat out fast. The, like his ability to start and stop and like his hamstrings going to have a great deal of impact in that there's a possible you could almost make the argument that depending on his position like let's say he was like if he was like a defensive tackle or something maybe this doesn't hold him out we don't know the severity of it but like for a guy like Watson who's dealt with injuries now a couple of times like obviously like in camp during the offseason as well as now maybe this injury is just they're like you know what let's just let him get fully healthy and then bring it back later in the year I think yeah, it's just, and, I, I don't know. I don't think it's the training staff. I mean, you can make the, it might be, but I don't think it's necessarily specifically like training st- staff and stretchers and whatnot. Well, and it could be that I just don't pay attention to other teams' injury reports, which is true, but it just always seems like if somebody in Green Bay is missing a game, it almost, it for whatever reason, almost always seems to be hamstring injury. So, um, so he's not playing. Uh, Aaron Rodgers on the injury report this week didn't practice on Wednesday, uh, was a full participant both Thursday and Friday. So, uh, we've been seeing that, uh, you know, the the drama is, is he going to tape his his throwing thumb or not for the game? Who knows? All I know is that after last week, my hope is that him just having a thumb injury on his throwing hand means that he'll actually, you know, hand the ball off a little bit more this week to our two running backs that seem like they could be utilized more. Uh, but uh, any concern, Gage, with just, I mean, Aaron Rodgers hasn't played poorly this year, but I mean, as far as the Aaron Rodgers standard that we're used to. Uh, I think it's fair to say that he hasn't played to that level yet. Now, obviously there's many different factors that play into that, not having Devonte Adams, you know, having to rely on rookies. Uh, but, you know, we haven't seen Rodgers play to that level that we're accustomed to any concern with his play this week with that dinged up uh, thumb on his throwing hand. No, um, if he wasn't a full part, if he was like limited in practice, it might be a different story, but full participant Thursday and Friday, I'm not overly concerned about it. Um, yeah, he's had to deal with rookies and he's had to deal with uh, receivers. He doesn't have a ton of chemistry with like Sammy Watkins. Uh, obviously like Randall Cobb is playing kind of hit or miss. He's not like super featured all the time. Alan Lazar has been like started the year banged up. He's like, he's been out there a lot now, but yeah, still build that chemistry up. Um, it just, it takes time. And also we like, we haven't seen Rogers do like the signature Roger game, Rogers game for the entirety, entirety of the game, but we've seen like the flashes of it. It's just been, it's the fact that he's not kept it together for four quarters. Like that's, that's where my issue with this team lies. If they could just play a full four quarter game, that Green Bay might be the best team in the league. Problem is they can't do that. Like the first half against the Bucks, they they looked unstoppable until the Aaron Jones fumble, and then it's as if the entire not like the entire sky fell. It wasn't falling; it was just gone. They had been crushed by the sky. But everything before that, I mean, that before that, the first the entire first half or first two drives, first three drives basically up until that fumble, nothing had gone wrong. They were doing; they were getting whatever they wanted against that Bucks defense. It. And that Bucks defense is one of the better groups in the league. They're first against the pass by DVOA. They're 14th against the run and third total. So they were 
they but Green Bay was dicing them up. And that was a pretty healthy Bucks defense too. Like their offense was hampered by every wide receiver under the sun being out. But they I mean their defense was pretty healthy and Green Bay was getting whatever they want. But then second half happened and then they just forgot how to play offense. So I think Rodgers I'm not concerned about him in terms of his thumb. I'm concerned about between the ears because I mean and we talked about it a little bit before the show so I'm so I don't have as much to say about it now but Rodgers just needs to play within the structure and you kind of mentioned this before we got started he might be he might just be bored and can't really deal with that but but the problem that I have with that statement is he can do it he's done it he just doesn't do it the entire game if he can just figure out how to do it the entire game I get it I get that these aren't your guys these aren't this isn't Devontae Randall Cobb's not getting as many touches as you want Alan Lazard isn't getting as much much stuff as you want Bob Tunyon's not fully back from his knee injury. Like he still just doesn't have his explosive explosiveness yet. This team has two has weapons all over the place. Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Lazard is a weapon. Romeo Dobbs is coming along. He's not quite there. He and he's not going to be. He's a rookie. Just give him a little bit of time. Give him the opportunities. He's going to be successful. Cobb showed last week. He still has a couple like good like memorable games in him. This team has talent all over the roster. The offensive line, once they really start gelling, I think can be can be one of, if not the best group in the league, because there's that much talent on it. So I'm not concerned about Aaron's thumb. I'm concerned with Aaron's willingness to be humble and live within the offense that Matt LaFleur has created for him. And I get that that's going to be hard because you are a four-time MVP. You have spent 15 years just being the guy, like carrying everything i get it uh, outside of a couple of years during the super bowl era it's been the entire team has been on your back you have been the train conductor you have been the buffalo pulling the way you have been whatever whatever metaphor you want to use you've been the guy but one, just one time i need you to just just sit next to the just sit next to the floor let him conduct it and you just be the lead violinist let con- let him be the or like the conductor of the orchestra and just you be the guy do whatever he needs you to do just be a guy because if he can do that this this offense can dice up anybody because that's how the entire lafleur system works we've seen it they, they, you don't need superstar athletes you've won games without superstar athletes you you've been undefeated without Devontae adams it's just Stop trying to do too much. Just live within the offense, and you'll be fine. Who cares if you don't win an MVP again? I understand that you might want one, but I would rather Green Bay go and finish the year 13-4, and four, and Green Bay loses two more games, but and Aaron doesn't win an MVP, but the offense just looks unstoppable like the majority of the time, because they can. It's just frustrating to see your superstar quarterback being unwilling to humble himself. I'm not sure about you guys, but it still catches me off guard when I walk down the water aisle at the grocery store and see these new tall boys that look like beer chilling out in the middle of the bottled water section. Of course, it's not actually beer. It's Liquid Death, a new mountain spring water from the Alps that's available in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors. But why is it called Liquid Death, you may ask? 
Well, it's because Liquid Death donates 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Even better is that the use of their aluminum Tallboy cans is also helpful as aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Friends, bottled water has always been boring to me, but there's absolutely nothing boring about Liquid Death. I love the crisp, refreshing pop of the can when I open it, and the water simply tastes better in a can than it does out of a bottle. Add in their three unique flavors. Personally, I love the lime, and the overall experience is infinitely better than any other water product. Plus, it just looks so much cooler holding a tall boy labeled Liquid Death that looks like you're holding a crisp, refreshing beer. So do me a favor and go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Amen. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Uh, I will spare everyone my... Uh, <laughs> my uh, soapbox on it but uh, the last uh, player here that um, is on the injury report that's worth talking about for Green Bay here uh, showed up uh, on the injury report on Thursday was limited in practice Thursday and Friday and is questionable for the game on Sunday Uh, linebacker Rashawn Gary now Matt LaFleur made some comments that he there's a little bit of concern about the toe um Needless to say, right now, uh, if he doesn't play, that leaves Preston Smith as pretty much your pass rusher as far as an edge rusher goes for Green Bay, which is not great. Um, I mean, Gage, I would – I guess we don't know the extent of the injury. My gut feeling is that he'll be out there playing. Um, but even if he is out there playing, what you know, how much does that toe hamper his ability to rush the passer? Um, what what are your just thoughts right now with Sean Gary being on the injury report with that toe injury? You know, um, I said I wasn't concerned at all about Aaron Rodgers' thumb. I am concerned about Sean's toe. Um, 
obviously Rashawn is a big, powerful guy. Uh, he like people don't. I mean, he's a stud athlete. There's no doubt about it. But uh, he's also. I mean, when you are rushing the passer, your toe and your ability to push off kind of matters a little bit. So I am concerned about it. I think that, and it also. So you mentioned that Rashawn Gary is questionable with that toe injury, and that kind of leaves Preston. It also, if you look further down the depth chart, there's another injury. Uh, Tipa Galil Galea. I'm not 100% certain how to pronounce his name, so I apologize for that. But he's he's out. Like he is out. Also, hamstring injury. Funny enough. Um, so that leaves like let's say Rashawn doesn't go. That gives you Preston Smith, Jonathan Garvin, and Kingsley and Igbari. That is your. Those are your outside pass rushers. So that does so that means you're even more shorthanded because you're already down your fifth guy at that spot, which means I mean which that hurts because you are like you're not the deepest uh, at that spot. You were relying on those top two guys, and those top two guys have been really good. So I'm uh, interested to see kind of what happens there. I'm hoping that uh, Gary's able to go, and if he is able to go, but he's limited, I think that it's a big week for Kingsley and Garvin. Garvin has shown a couple flashes over the years and um, Kingsley has uh, like, I know he was a big name in the preseason. So I'm interested to see kind of if he's able to get some more reps this week, uh, if Gary is out or just has to be on more, more of a rotation. So it's a big opportunity for those guys to step up. Even if Rashawn Gary is a full go or like, like he's not limited at all, which I don't think is going to happen based on the comments we've heard from before over the last couple of days. These guys, like, now's your time. Now's your time. You got to be ready when your number is called. You got to be ready to go in there and just make plays. You don't, and you don't, don't try and do too much, play within the scheme and just do your job. So it's, so I am concerned about it. I think that even if he like comes in, he's like, no, coach, I'm fine. I'm fine. I think that he will be on a rotation throughout the game. Um, and if Green Bay gets up too big or down by a lot, I think that he could, we could just see him pulled eventually. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch. I think he might be on the David Bakhtiari plan this week where he just is not in nearly as much. Yeah, well, it's definitely a big blow to the Packers' defense if he's unable to go. Um, so let's then move into just a couple of matchups that we're looking forward to this weekend, Gage. Um, as far as this Packers' offense uh, versus this Jets' defense, what are you looking forward to uh, in the game today? So the main thing I'm looking forward to in this game is uh, Green Bay's, like, I, I'm looking forward to the matchup with Sauce Gardner and whoever he's matched up against. Uh, for those that don't know who Sauce Gardner is, he is the number one corner for the New York Jets. He is, he's been fantastic to start the season. He has been, he has been a phenomenal, phenomenal player. He's just been making plays uh, left and right. Um, and he, like, he's a very confident guy. I mean, when I, his name is Sauce Gardner. He's going to be, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, no, he's probably really confident because his actual name is Ahmad. He just goes by Sauce. It's his nickname. He's got like a barbecue sponsorship, I'm pretty sure. 6'3, 200 pounds. Uh, he already threw five games. He has one pick. He's got six pass breakups. Uh, he is all over the place all the time. And he plays like a true number one corner. He's got the swagger to him. So, Green Bay not having a true number one wide receiver in the the Devontae Adams, the Cooper Cups, the Justin Jeffersons, et cetera. Now is a chance. Like this is a hypothetically the matchups in his favor. So I think that Rodgers needs to try and take advantage of the young rookie's confidence. Like I think that he'll be more willing to jump a pass 
when you because he's going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, I can get a pick on Aaron Rodgers, and if I can, and if I could jump it right, I can go the other way with a good score six. Try, I think the trying a double move on him early in the game might be a really good idea because I think that he'll be willing to jump that, and if you can get him to take like try and jump a pass on the like on the initial cut, I think that you'll have a lot of wide open space behind that. Uh, unless like the defense, like I know that the Jets play a little bit more too high stuff than the than most teams do, so or like than like the Giants do. Giants play a lot of one high stuff, so I think that going after Sauce Gardner could be like, and people are gonna be like, "Oh, well, he's been really good. Why wouldn't you want to target somebody else?" I want to target that guy because if Green Bay can beat that guy, they can beat the other guys. I want to beat the number one because if I can beat the number one, I can beat everybody else. All right, and then just to flip flip the ball around there, um, Packers defense versus the versus the Jets offense. Um, you know, a, a lot has been made this past week about Green Bay's defense and <clears throat> the way that Joe Barry's been calling the defense. Um, Zach Wilson is not uh, what we would call a world beater quarterback, but neither is Daniel Jones, and he looked like the second coming of Tom Brady last weekend. So. Um, just uh, what are you looking for with this Packers defense matching up against this Jets offense? Well, I mean, there's two things. One, just play man coverage. Don't don't play anything else. Don't play zone. It's not worth it. It's dumb. Zone doesn't work. I don't. I don't. I don't get why zone coverage is so popular. I understand that it's probably just because like most corners aren't good enough to play man coverage all game. Get better corners. It's that simple. Start training corners younger to be better in man coverage. Stop. Stop making. Stop training corners at the high school and college level. And I understand it's because like there's different levels of athletes and whatever. Train them to be good in man coverage. I know like I never played like organ I never played organized football. I played like flag football and I understand it's very different. But I do understand the basic concept of when you're playing just pickup football, you're not playing zone. You're playing that's I got I got my guy. I'm like, hey, I got the blue shirt kid. You match up with your guy. And a blue shirt kid scores, is it is it your is it your safety's fault for not covering his deep third no it's your fault for not covering your guy just play man coverage the jets wide receiving core is Garrett wilson elijah moore Corey davis there's some other guys behind that but that's your top three i like green bay's top three of douglas alexander and uh stokes better than i like those three wide receivers because those three are those are quality guys i just think that i like green bay's guys better but the main thing to watch is the running game Jets have run the ball well. They have Michael Carter and Brees Hall, who are both uh, strong running backs. The fact that they got drafted Brees Hall the year after taking Michael Carter, who looked good last year as like a fourth-round pick. They took Brees Hall in the second, and they both look really good. Uh, last week, they ran, I think, 67% of their plays were uh, play action. And they did that because they run the ball a lot with Zach Wilson under center compared to Joe Flacco. So if you have the – if the running game is working, that makes the – play action game more effective more effective but if you are just running man coverage and you say hey you guys cover your guys and then everybody else that's in the box worry about the run i think that that sets you up for more success because if you're running zone stuff here guys are more like looking into the backfield versus if they're playing man they're watching their guy and nothing else so if the jets are able to establish the run early green bay could be in for a really long afternoon yeah one and that's one thing that we know that um green bay has not been overly great against the run this year um so that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on uh gage real quick let's wrap things up here uh prediction time um i will start here gage 
Uh, I'm now at the point with Green Bay after last week, not that I think they're going to lose games, but last week was kind of uh, for me that Green Bay really at this point can – that, you know, they can lose any game on their schedule at this point if they continue to play the way that they did last weekend. So um, you're coming home after a tough loss. Matt LaFleur still has yet to lose back-to-back games uh, in his tenure under Green Bay. So he's uh, he's typically pretty good after a loss. That being said, um, I still think this game's a lot closer than people make it out to be. I think Green Bay wins 24-21, uh, and I think – I think Green Bay has its hands full all day um, and they're able to pull it out in the end, but I think it's going to be a nail biter. I think it's going to be stressful. uh, And given that the jets haven't been great for the longest time, I think that's going to be frustrating to a lot of people, but um, unless, unless Green Bay starts doing things drastically different, I still think they're the better team over the jets, but you know, ultimately at some point, you have to you have to look at your team based on what they show you. And right now, what this team has shown me is they have yet to put together a complete game. Like, they have not played four quarters. You could even argue they haven't even played three quarters of a game yet. Um, and, and so, if that's the case, guess what? The Jets are good enough that if they play four quarters and the Packers play two quarters, doesn't matter that it's at Lambeau. The Jets will win that game. So until Green Bay can put together a full game, it's going to be tough. And we're going to watch a lot of games like the Buccaneers game, like the Giants game. We're going to watch a lot of frustrating football out of the Packers until they can start putting four quarters together. If Green Bay puts four quarters together this weekend, I can see them winning by two scores. But right now, with what I've seen this season, I'm going to take them by three, 24-21, and I think it's going to be a frustrating game. You know, uh, so, yeah, Green Bay is favored by seven and a half in this game, and I think that's way too much just based on the Green Bay team we've seen this far. If you took it at a – like, if you looked at paper and you're like, okay, what's the talent of the two teams? Okay, I think, yeah, Green Bay is about seven and a half, especially if they're at home. I think that's fair. But based on what we've seen, Green Bay doesn't look like they're seven and a half points better than the Jets. They have looked like they were seven and a half points at certain points, like that for those first couple drives against the Bucs. Yeah, no, I would have been like absolutely Green Bay seven and a half, no, no doubt. But that's not the team that we've seen all season, and that's I mean that's not the team that we saw for the last two quarters last week. I think that Green, I think the game's going to be closer than twenty four twenty. I think the game's going to be closer than seven and a half. I do think that Green Bay could have more success in the red zone this week. The Jets, I believe, are like twenty sixth uh, in the red in opponent red zones at turn scores. They allow I think sixty eight percent. Uh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I wrote about it yesterday, the day before. Um, I think that Green Bay is, I think Green Bay could have some success in the red zone. I think that they have a lot of chances to score points here as long as they, because they can sustain drives against this defense. This defense, despite having, like, other than Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner, they've really, un, they've, they're just not putting it together yet. Uh, Robert Sala being a defensive coach, kind of, that's kind of a red flag there. Like, Hey, you're the defensive guy. You're supposed to be able to get more out of these group out of this group than you're getting. I think Green Bay wins the game. I do think it's going to be closer than seven and a half. So if I was betting, I would be taking the Jets. But I think Green Bay does win the game because I think that Green Bay still doesn't allow Lafleur to lose back to back games. I'm going to go Green Bay winning twenty seven to twenty one. No. Let me rephrase. I'm going to go Green Bay 27, Green, Green Bay 27, Jets 20. So Jets cover, but barely. 
I think that Green Bay gets three quick scores or they get like one late one, and then they have a couple of drives that bog down and then they kick field goals. All right, yeah, like I said, uh, you know, it's going to be a close game until, you know, these games are going to continue to be close until Green Bay can figure it out. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to lose, but, you know, I, I Gage, I heard something on the radio uh, yesterday on my way home from work. Uh, it was an interesting point that this is a, for the Packers, this is a no-win game for the Packers from a fan base perspective. Because if Green Bay doesn't cover or, you know, like if they don't cover that seven and a half point spread win by less than that, you're going to have Packer fans saying what you couldn't cover the spread at home against the jets, right? That's what you're going to get. And if they win by two, three scores, the fan base is going to say, well, yeah, it's the jets. You should win by that much. So this is, this is a game as far as the fan base. And I thought it was a great point as far as the fan base. And I will admit I'm raising my hand right now. Gage can see me doing that. I am first in line with that whole, like, that's exactly what I would be saying. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with everybody else. But, yeah, this is – I don't think you're going to – unless Green Bay puts up 45 points and keeps the Jets to seven, I don't think you're going to have a happy fan base after this game, regardless of how it turns out. But I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. So That's fair. Um, I get that idea, the fact that it is a no-win situation, however. And, and, I, understand, and I understand the logic. However, as, to try and operate from a logical fan perspective, no one's ever going to be happy anyway. No, no, no one. It, it doesn't matter. Like you said, they could they could win 45 to 7. You know what people would say? You couldn't shut them out? You couldn't score 50? It, it doesn't matter. Like It does not matter what Green Bay does. It, like I've said this before. Aaron could literally throw for 1,000 yards in a game. He could throw for 25 touchdowns in a game. He, he could literally be, have the greatest performance ever. He could have Madden-level numbers in a game. And no one in someone would still find something to nitpick. Like if he went 49 for 50 for a thousand yards and 20 touchdowns, people would still be like, yeah, but he had that one incompletion. People want to be mad. It's just, it's way easier to just be like, yep, no, people are going to be mad and move on. That's why it, it just, it's much easier to operate that way. And, but you're not wrong. I do think that no matter what happens in this game, Green Bay, you're, you're going to have Green Bay fans that are going to be mad. They're going to be like, you should have blown them out by more. Or that was way too, or, or yeah, yeah, the Jets, you're supposed to beat them, or you didn't cover what the hell. It, it or, just, or heaven forbid, you lost. Like, <laughs> I mean, that, I, that's I the third one that we, that we that. didn't talk about, but <laughs> I, I don't even want to think about that right now. So, all right, well, Gage, uh, another great conversation. Uh, real quick before we wrap things up, if people want to follow your work, get in touch with you, how can they do that? As always, you can follow me on Twitter, all of my work, uh, or at Rich for NFL. All of my links to all of my work with uh, Rotoballer and uh, Denver Stiffs, uh, are, all of my links are over there. I'm generally having two pieces coming out on Friday, uh, Film Friday, and then um, a quarterback pass rush matchup piece for Rotoballer. And then on Saturdays, I've been doing a betting column. That's generally player prop picks that uh, came out yet, uh, yesterday, if you guys are into this now um prior to last week i had had three straight winning weeks we were up on the year and then i went over five last week got a little too cute with it uh had some unfortunate injury luck and just game script things kind of messed me up but uh getting back this week i think we should have a solid winning week ahead and all of my links to all of that stuff is over there all right awesome and as always if you want to follow me on twitter you can do that uh at producer nick lb on twitter um 
don't have a whole lot going on uh, right now. Didn't have uh, the radio calls from last week. Uh, it was a frustrating game anyway, but uh, going to hopefully get that back again up this week. But um, as always, you can find me there on Twitter. So, uh, Gage, thank you again for the conversation today. Man, hopefully when we talk next uh, next week, it'll be four and two and everything will be uh, right in Green Bay. And we'll be looking at taking on the commanders who, um, wow, yeah, that was a that was another interesting Thursday night football game, wasn't it, Gage? That was, you know, I won money on it, so I'm not complaining. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. So, all right. Well, with that being said, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. And as always... Go Pack Go. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com